I'm a compulsive. Got it. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, briefly, for the newcomers, my story. Uh, I joined Overeaters Anonymous 29 years ago, and after that first meeting, um, I made a commitment to abstinent to be abstinent. And at that stage, all that really meant for me was three moderate meals. Uh, nothing in between. And I, I, I kept it very simple like that at first. I had no insight into issues around sugar. Uh, when I heard about people having a problem around sugar, I thought, oh, I'll give it up for a month and prove that I haven't got a problem with sugar. Uh, I'll leave you to work out the logic in that one. <laughs> but after a very few days of not having honey and sweeteners and all of this sort of stuff, I very quickly realised that I, um, in fact, did have a problem with sugar. I just want to hide my self-view. Sorry, it's really irritating me. <laughs> um, yes, I very quickly realised that once I was off the sugar, I did, in fact, have a problem and I was having it pretty, um, one way or another, pretty continuously. So I put that down. Over a, a time, I had to modify my food plan to fit my health requirements and all of that, and I've had to continue to modify that over the years. But in terms of being abstinent, uh, for me, that meant not binging and not grazing my way through the day. And grazing my way through the day often meant repeated trips to the fridge because I was obsessed by what was in it, the mental images, the sense, everything would just be so... Uh, so continuous and so demanding that I'd end up going and eating whatever it was that was in the fridge or or I, I would kid myself I was just going to have a taste to shut this obsession in my head up it was so utterly distracting the other side of it was <laughs> the trouble was I didn't get just one or just a slice of the whatever because once I had it, the phenomenon, the physical craving then set in as well. So preceding picking up would be this obsession. Just it got louder and bigger and louder and bigger. But once I had the bit that I thought was going to turn that off, the physical craving would kick in and I couldn't stop. And that was the binge or the, just the graze, graze, graze through the day. And when I joined Overeaters Anonymous and... Um, <clears throat> Uh, was shown how to um, how the program was embedded in the uh, book Alcoholics Anonymous, which was the basis for our all of our twelve step programs. What I quickly learned from that was that uh, in the early part of the book, the doctor's opinion that I in fact did have a mental obsession and a physical craving, and that craving of this type was restricted to adults, adults, to addicts. What that meant was it wasn't that everybody else in the world was just controlling things better. They didn't have this obsession and this craving that I, as a food addict, did have. And that just opened up the thing, oh, okay, I, this is an abnormal state of mind and body 
and my mind and my self-will can't control it because I had done my, I knew I'd done my last diet. I didn't have the willpower for another diet left in me. It was not there. And I had, prior coming to the program, had just resigned myself to the fact that I was just going to keep on the way I was, continually <laughs> visiting and revisiting the food and nothing much was going to change and I was just going to keep putting on weight. So coming into the program, when I learned that these, I had these two abnormalities, an abnormal mind that lied to me about the food, that told me I was only going to have one, that told me I could give up when I wanted to, and I had a body <clears throat> that craved it so that even though I was deciding I was going to stay on the diet, I was already opening the fridge, I was already unscrewing the jar and putting it in my mouth while I was busy telling myself that I was going to stay on the diet. I mean, you know, it was just, it was all craziness. It was so out of my control. What I did find in coming into, into the program was that I was powerless over this. My step one, I was powerless over this mind and this body that behaved in this way out of my, even though I didn't want it to, and that I needed a power greater than myself. That power greater than myself, um, we can define any way we want or not. Um, I, for convenience, often refer to it as God, but it's beyond that for me. It's beyond that what anything that that word could envision. Um, what that gave me was the next bits of the steps, the sanity, the mind that now would kick in and say, no. I don't eat that. That's not on my food plan. And that sanity was not something I could make happen. It was what I needed, if you like, through grace, through working the program, working the steps, being a part of the fellowship, not separate, not off doing it on my own, which was my way in life, do things on my own, but to be a part of the fellowship, to go to my meetings, to have a sponsor, to sponsor others, to take part, to do service, to be embedded and involved in OA and particularly in, embedded and involved in the in the steps and doing the, the step work. Because it told me in the big book that underlying everything else, underlying my physical and mental unwell-being, I actually was spiritually unwell as well. And that what that meant was despite the fact that I had spent so much of my life searching for a spiritual path, searching for, and going to teachers and going to different traditions and learning different practices and stuff, despite my yearning for that, I was spiritually unwell because at the core of my being was this incredible level of selfishness self-centeredness which as an addict was absolutely amplified because don't get between me and the food don't get between me and what i want don't get between me and what makes me comfortable it was always me 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 first and also deeply embedded that in that and <laughs> It, and still, you know, is this incredible level of self-pity too. Poor me, poor me, always poor me. And then the noble self-sacrifice. I was good at playing that one too. So this, I didn't 
comprehend that this selfishness and self-centeredness was the nature of my spiritual disease. And that, that awakening to that has been far more important, far more important than as important as the abstinence is, as important as the physical recovery and to have a healthy body weight, as important as all that is, and as important as that mental state of not being obsessed, as important as all that was, it's actually the spiritual level that is the most fundamentally important thing for me today. In the big book, it... Uh, in there, there is a solution on page 25. It talks about us being rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence. My ordinary life is a three-dimensional. It's this world, it's society, it's the family, it's the objects, it's my home, it's my was my job, it's all of those things. That's my three-dimensional world. And it's a pretty ordinary world, even at its best. It's got its ups and downs, and those ups and downs are what pull me down. They are what undermines me is the fears that come in about my security, about whether I'm being liked or approved of and all of that. So for me, when I'm in that sort of state, I must have a sense of a higher power. I must have a, a sense of a God because without something like that, to me, the world becomes very quickly an overwhelmingly grey, depressed state where there is no point. There feels like there's no point to my life. There's no point to anything. All I am is a burden. And why be even here? You know, the all of the things, that, the, the problems, the things that surround me in life, then that surround all of us, overwhelm me. So for me to have a sense of something greater than myself, overwhelmingly greater, is absolutely crucial to my survival, to me staying alive, wanting to stay alive, let alone actually try and live. So that fourth dimension isn't something I can imagine. It's something beyond imagination. And we're told in in, in the big book in... Um, um we agnostics where that that spiritual solution that fourth dimension that life that gateway that god being is is i don't have to travel anywhere for it i don't have to do a whole lot of penances and and go through a whole lot of a pain and suffering journey because it is deep down inside it tells us deep down inside every one of us is the great reality the truth the truth of life the truth of what is my life's meaning the truth of of who am i and what am i supposed to be doing on this planet not just what i think but what is my task what is my journey why am i here why am i an overeater you know what is perhaps that is the biggest gift that i've been given perhaps because if I don't have something like this that is beyond my control, that my very being depends on being abstinent and working this program, 
I don't have to have a spiritual life. I can plug along and be, you know, run run a reasonably ordinary life and, and cope and all of that. But I've got an underlying condition that will and strives to kill me as an overeater. So I have to have a spiritual life to, for me to survive, to be in any way productive. And so perhaps, perhaps, as incomprehensible as that is, perhaps the greatest gift God's given me is to be a compulsive overeater. I'll leave it there. Thank you.